What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 154 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is a Thursday evening. It's been a little bit since we've come back on the podcast. It's because I was traveling and all that fun stuff, but uh, here to rectify that and bring you some fresh Atlanta Braves content is uh, myself and the great Scott Coleman. What's up, man? What's up, Brad? We got uh, three weeks to opening day, which is kind of crazy at this point. Yeah, we're getting there. Um for sure. Uh, it's been weird. I've, I've watched a little bit of baseball, not a ton just because it happens during the day and I'm at work, but I have monitored a little bit and followed, of course, what's going on and um, not going to do too much on spring results at this point. It's still pretty early and not, not a ton has happened. That's like turned my head too, too much, but a couple of things to hit on here. We're going to end with a bullpen preview of sorts. The next three or four podcasts, we're going to do a preview of some part of the roster, a little bit more in depth. We've been doing a little bit of that throughout the offseason, obviously, but we're getting down to brass tacks here. So it's time to get a little bit deeper and we'll, t- and we'll touch on the bullpen a little bit later. But I guess the, the lead story this week was not really Braves related. And we, I, I say this week, it's been like eight or nine days since I've done, since I've done a podcast, but Bryce Harper signed. And we knew he was going to do that. We knew it probably wasn't wasn't going to be in Atlanta. But if you're a Braves fan, you can't like seeing Bryce Harper go to Philadelphia. So what was your reaction when uh, that news broke? And it was not like fresh necessarily right now because it's been a little bit here, but it definitely still impacts the Braves. Yeah, absolutely. Um, somebody pointed out, you know, of all the locations or all the places that Bryce uh, could go, obviously you wanted him out of out of the East after doing a lot of good things with the Nationals the last seven years. Um, the fact that the Phillies add him at this point uh, in the offseason, I, I think you can make a decent argument that, that they're now the favorites in the East, though I, I maintain that a lot of it's going to ba- be based on health, and, and all four of the National East contenders have some serious questions, and all of them have really high upsides, but I could also uh, talk myself into any four of them uh, struggling if a few things don't go right, so... Uh, not ideal that, that he's going to be in the, the East for another 13 years, which is just nuts. Uh, no opt-outs, which was supposedly a big thing for him, but uh, he's going to be there until, what is, what's that, like 2032 or something like that? <laughs> which is just I mean, outrageous. That's just, that, that's hard to fathom. I mean, 2032, he's going to be playing in Philly. Um, I actually thought for their perspective, based on the money, uh, is not absurd just because it's so spread out that... You know, I think it's like twenty six million uh, the next like ten years, and then the final three years it goes down to twenty two million. Which, if you assume that salaries are going to keep escalating, that uh, you know twenty two million dollars in the year two thousand and thirty probably won't be like that absurd when you have guys now getting thirty thirty five million dollars a year. So, um, not ideal. I was hoping he would go uh, to L A or <clears throat> San Diego or San Francisco, just anywhere that wasn't Philly. Because uh, they certainly have a, a loaded lineup now, but uh, you know it is what it is, and um, they're going to have to go overcome it for sure. And we're not going to do pre- necessarily like all the predictions right now. We still have a couple of weeks, as you mentioned, but the over/under stuff changed a little bit with Harper going to Philadelphia. The Nats are now, um, I guess, not seen as an, as a unilateral favorite for the most part. The Nats were like considered to be the favorite in terms of betting markets. Now it's Philly in some ways. You know, Philly has the highest over/under according to some of the offshore sites. Um, the Nats are right behind them. Philly, Philly, about eighty nine and a half or so. Nats at 80, 88 and a half or so. And then the Braves and Mets somewhere in the eighty five, eighty six range, depending on 
where you want to look. Um, does this change the balance, of, the balance of power for you? I think people have sort of overreacted in some ways to the Nats losing Harper because he was never going to go back to the Nats. At least in my opinion, that was not really going to be a thing that happened. So I was kind of planning about him not being there. I think Vegas was as well, and they're still good. Um, the Nats are still very, very talented. They added a lot of interesting pieces, and they have great pitching, of course. Um, and now, but of course, Philly gets Bryce Harper. So quickly, without having, I'm not going to hold you. I'm not going to hold you to this, but. How much does Harper go to going to Philly actually help to sort of swing your thoughts on the NL East right now? Uh, it, it obviously helps. I still think uh, I'm going to get roasted for this, but I still think if I if you held a gun to my head tonight, I think I would still pick the Nationals to win the East, and uh, maybe it's and, and again, I think on paper one through twenty five, the Nats probably have the best uh, probably have the best roster. But as we've said, you know, last year they had the best roster on paper, and and they were 10 games worse than the Braves uh, and they've had one of the best rosters in all of baseball the last half decade and they haven't won a playoff series yet. So um, it, it obviously helps the Phillies. Um, he's going to, I mean, in that ballpark, uh, especially the right field, you don't have to hit a ball a whole, whole far, very far to uh, get it out. And I, I think he's just going to crush it there. Um, they've improved their defense. The, the one thing for me with the Phillies is is their starting rotation after Aaron Nola. You just don't know what you're going to get. Jake Arrieta was up and down all last year. Nick Pavetta has shown he has the potential to, to do some things, but uh, just wasn't great last year, though there is some a chance he regresses positively. Um, and then it just kind of comes down to if other guys can stay healthy. Vince Velasquez has been decent when healthy. Same for Zach Eflin, though those guys aren't exactly proven stars by any means. So, I think all the teams in the East have fairly big question marks and, and potential holes if things don't uh, fall right. And if I had to pick today, I think I would still take Washington. Uh, and then, I, at least not to me on paper, I think the Braves, Phillies, and uh, and Mets are all right there as far as being the, the second best, at least from a, a paper perspective. Yeah, I think I agree with you in general on all of that. I said this, I think, with Zach last week. If you missed that podcast, go back and listen to it and subscribe and all that fun stuff. But um, I know, I know, and I know, I tweeted this out at some point in time. No order of the top four would like floor me right now. I mean, it's, that's not really a hot take to say, but I think the top four. I do think that Washington and Philly are the are more talented um, than Atlanta and New York. If you put a gun to my head, as you kind of mentioned before, but no order would surprise me. You know, if the Braves finish first, I wouldn't be surprised. If the Braves finish fourth, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, you know, would I predict them to win the division right now? No, I wouldn't. But obviously, we didn't, we didn't last year. No one did last year. And I think they're obviously in a better position to start this year, expectations-wise, than they were last year. So it's all on the table. I don't think it really changes that much anyway. But considering I kind of assume that Bryce is going to be leaving Washington, and that doesn't really affect them. And Philly, of course, adding a potential MVP candidate uh, makes them better. So all that, all yeah. that to say, uh, there you go. On that. Yeah, no, absolutely. You're absolutely right. There, there's You could argue any of the four teams to win the division and, and I really don't think you can argue it. I mean if, if the Mets get full, healthy, good seasons out of their top four starters with as good it's as Julio was last year and DeGrom and it is. You know, you could talk me into a situation where they, they finish below five hundred because DeGrom and Syndergaard get hurt and Wheeler doesn't continue what he did in the second half of last year. Steven Matz is still kind of the same guy instead of taking a step forward. You you could also say, no, they're all gonna have great years and with that improved the lineup and bullpen you know, they're going to win upwards of 90 games. I think you can pretty easily talk yourself in or out of any team in the division and, and go from there. For sure. And we'll do, at some point, we're going to do some final predictions, but we're going to hold off because uh, rosters could still change, if nothing else, between now and opening day. Okay. 
Moving on. Speaking of rosters, I guess we should mention this now. Mark Bowman, good friend of the program, and obviously been on the beat for a long time, put out a projected 25-man roster on Thursday that turned some heads in one particular way, and that was that he was saying that Mike Fultonavich may not be ready for opening day, and as a result of that, and we'll touch on, the, we'll touch on, on all the injuries here in a second, but as a result of Fulte's potential absence at the beginning of the season, they could carry three catchers and go with Alex Jackson as the third catcher slash pinch hitter, and I think part of the, of the wording Bowman used was to allow... Brian Snicker to pinch hit with um, either McCann or Flowers, which of course mm. makes us crazy because mm. that does not you can do that anyway. You don't have to have three catchers. Um, but anyway, what you th- what you make of that? And uh, Jackson's had some interesting stuff in spring. I think it's a little bit early, at least it went in my mind to have him on the roster to open the season though. So that at least surprised me a little bit. Even if somebody has to get that roster spot, if it's not Fulte. Yeah, I mean, good for Alex Jackson, man. I mean, I remember seeing maybe six months to a year ago that that scouts were were kind of down on him and didn't really see him as a major leaguer. And to all his credit, every report out of this spring is that he he's really worked on his body to get in better shape. He's more nimble than he was. He's improved as a receiver behind the plate. You know, for the longest time it was, well, his bat is going to play, but, you know, he's just not going to be a good enough catcher to be a, a regular major leaguer. And I'm not saying he's, he's necessarily going to be that, but the fact that he's put himself in the conversation, I, I think it was Brian Snicker who said a day or two ago, uh, that that Jackson is probably the most improved player in camp uh, from this time a year ago. So good for him. I you know Bowman kind of mentioned in his article that it's really more a product of just he allows the the roster to have some flexibility and and frankly he's probably one of the better hitting options uh, of all your on your forty man roster right now. He's already on the forty man roster, so it's not like you would have to boot somebody just for a couple of days while uh, while Fulte gets right. Because uh, assuming Fulte's elbow isn't barking, it does sound like he might be able to debut in that that home series against the Cubs uh, or even against the Marlins that second weekend of the year. So uh, not I mean, you know, it, it kind of makes sense when you think about it a little bit more. When I saw the name, I, I did a double take and thought it might be a typo or something like that. But, uh, you know, good for Alex. And, and hopefully he's able to do a few things, even if it is a limited stint in Atlanta. Yeah, we'll see how long that lasts, and I think Bowman would even say that it's it's a guess. It's not a uh, you know, it's still very very early. A lot can change, but that did turn that did turn some heads. We should talk about um, the injury stuff slash availability stuff that's happened over the last week and a half or so. Josh Donaldson has not appeared yet. I'm not sure that's really injury related. They're, just, they're being very very careful with him. He's now scheduled as of this recording on Thursday night to debut on Friday, and uh, he told Mark Bowman that he's feeling very confident. Right now, and and Dawson said, and I quote: "If the season were to start in a week or two, my body would be feeling very good to where I could just go out there, and there won't be any questions." End quote. So that's pretty optimistic. With that said, they pushed it back a couple times now, which is not um perfect. I mean, I'm not really worried. I wouldn't say, but every time there's like a definitive timetable ish, it gets pushed back. So if he plays Friday, no one's going to care. But um, let's just start with Dawson. Does any of this worry you at all, or is it just like they're just being really careful? I think obviously I would prefer if he was out there and he's hit five homers already and he's been playing since the very first day, but no, I mean, this is a guy he's, he's in his early thirties. I think he said this is his 10th spring training at the major league level. Now Um, he's somebody, and and I think all veterans like him and Freeman and Marcakis and, you know, on and on those guys really need, they, you know, historically they say they need about two and a half or three weeks of, of time to really get ready for the regular season. It's such a grind. Um, I'm fine with it. Uh, sure, I wish he was playing every day right now, but um, he's just so important to this year's team. 
the idea of losing him to an injury, an unnecessary injury at that on uh, March 7th or whatever today is when there's still three full weeks to go before opening day uh, would be a real blow to this team. So I'd much rather him. And it's not like, you know, and you know this, but just because he's not playing in games doesn't mean he's sitting around his hotel room all day. He's getting <laughs> yes. swings in the cage. He's he's playing in the backfields. Uh, he's getting his swings. He's getting his work in. He's getting his cardio in and, and all that good stuff. So uh, not necessarily a concern. If for some reason he's scratched again tomorrow, I, I'll be a little more worried. But he does sound like it's all systems go, and um, and he should be ready to go. Yep, and there's every reason to believe that they'll take their time, and they should. You know, Donaldson's not the youngest guy, but he's not that old. I mean, he has the injury stuff recently, and we'll keep an eye on that. And it helps to have Yohan Camargo, because that's um, a guy who could play there without any uh, issue whatsoever. If Donaldson needs to have a day off or two, especially early in the season when it's still cold and all that fun stuff, um, we will definitely monitor him very closely, because when he's playing, he's very good. Uh, by the way, we get a lot of questions um, on the podcast about like lineup construction and the offense and stuff like that. We're going to hold those for the lineup preview of some sort. So if you are asking stuff, our apologies on that. But we're going to focus on pitching for the most part today. I want to say that now since we're talking about Donaldson because the rest of these guys, honest, other than other than Dansby, uh, everything else that's a question mark and then the bullpen preview is all pitching. So we're, 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 we're definitely going to get, get there, I promise you. But um, for now, just um, pitching stuff. Um, I guess the last hitting guy is Swanson, who's now played and without incident, no pain for him. He got a late start as well. Uh, he actually had, an, had a nice hit in his first um, in his first game when he played earlier this week, and Dansby seems to be okay. Um, any worry spot there for you? Obviously, the big it's kind, of, it's kind of a big year for Dansby in a lot of ways. So not ideal that he's not going to be you know he wasn't 100 percent from the start of spring training, but he's the same sort of thing where I think if it was uh, important, he would have been playing. But um, they're just they're just kind of, kind of just being careful because they I think I think everybody knows it's kind of a big year for him. Yeah, absolutely. And anytime you're dealing with, I mean, as somebody myself who. Uh, underwent wrist surgery it can be a really it can be a grueling uh, injury and it can be something that takes a lot of time to fully recover and and I wasn't out there trying to hit 95 mile an hour fastballs uh, for a living so um, yeah it was good to see he actually changed it looks like Dansby has changed his swing a little bit which is interesting uh, I saw leg. yeah I saw your uh, I saw your, uh, your your scouting on that when that first happened and I, and I hadn't seen I hadn't seen him yet and I was just, I, my, my first um I guess my first interaction with Dansby's um, bat this season was your Twitter feed, which is always fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I enjoyed that. I was like, oh, well, I, I watched and, you know, you, you notice little things. And I thought, man, he, he just doesn't look like the same guy. Um, and he has. I mean, maybe he last year, of course, uh, Acuna so notoriously kind of changed and dropped his hands a little bit and, and tightened things up. And, and he had the second half of all second halves. And I'm not necessarily saying that Dansby's going to be on an MVP pace in the sec- like like Ronnie was, but – um, he did hit the ball hard two times. You're obviously talking extremely small samples, and I'm sure throughout the year he's going to continue to tweak things. But he's always had, when healthy, it, it always seems like uh, Dansby's been able to hit, uh, be the guy that people thought he was going to be coming up. It's just a matter of, of staying healthy, which which hasn't been uh, the case through his first three years in the majors. So as you said, a big year for him. Um, I'm optimistic. I actually think he's going to be my my pick to break out this year. I think he's going to put together a real nice season. Um so yeah, it was it was optimistic at least to see him getting games, and hopefully the new swing uh, helps him because with his glove, he he just has to hit a little bit in order to be a, a pretty valuable asset for the Braves. Yeah, um, that's the big question: is will he be able to hit a little bit? You know, last week uh, Zach was pretty optimistic as well about Dansby's bat and the fact that he you know he battled the injury last year that could have been a big thing. I, I tend to agree with both of you on this. I do think that again though, if he struggles for a couple months out of the gate. The noise is going to get very loud on Swanson because 
I do think we saw last year, even if he's just the guy who was last year, he's a serviceable starter because it's, because of his glove at, at shortstop. But if he doesn't hit, people are going to start whispering, especially with Camargo on the roster and also Albies on the roster, um, guys who can play shortstop and who have hit a lot more than Swanson has. So a uh, big year for Dansby. He's uh, still young, so we'll see how he handles that, of course. Um, you know, the two guys, I guess, that were at the top of the rotation by the end of last season, obviously Fulte, we talked about briefly before, is battling some injury stuff early on. Kevin Gosman had a little bit, a little bit, little bit of a scare with a shoulder thing. He seems to be back on track now, as of earlier this week. But um, that was scary. For there, there, was, there was like a day or two when it was like, by the way, Soroka, Gosman, Fulte, everybody's hurt, and um, it wasn't yeah. like they were, none of it was like disaster. Yeah, Freed, and, and Freed yeah, <laughs> Freed had the was it? Uh, I guess it wasn't a blister; it was he, a cut of some sort. He like he ripped his pinky finger with his thumbnail. Like the guy Which, needs to go get a manicure or something like that. That's yeah. just a freak injury. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I was just like that was that situation where it was like, oh, is everyone is anyone going to pitch other than Julio Tehran this uh, this spring? Um, any of these worry you at all? You know, Fulte is the one where they just cannot afford to be without him. Like they don't have that number one guy. Even I have my reservations about him as a number one guy in general. But if you take him away, they're in big big trouble. Um, so that's the one I, that I would worry about the most. Even if it's not like a serious injury, I would just worry about that the most. But do you worry about any of these starters? We'll get to the bullpen in a second, but the starters who are banged up, Soroka's shoulder seems to be a little bit less worrisome than it was the first time when the news broke. But still, none, none of this stuff is ideal. No, it's not. I, I, you know, I, as much as I'd like to be able to sit in on on in the Braves training training room and hear what's going on, you know, we just don't know. And and hopefully, it's it's more a case of being, uh, you know being cautious, letting these guys get their rest and, and making sure they're getting all their work in without, without pushing them again. We're, we're three weeks away from opening day. Uh, you have, you have all those built in off days early in the year that you can use to help limit the need for five starters right out of the gate. Um, so yeah, Kevin Gosman is gonna, he's the projected starter for Friday, which is encouraging. You hope that he comes out and, and looks like his normal self, because I think he's a, a really steady middle of the rotation guy uh, pitched pretty well last year, of course, after the trade. So, um, as we said, kind of with Donaldson, yeah, you wish he was out there on the first first game of the spring and, and throwing normally and, and not in the training room. But um, ultimately, you give these guys really, for in his case, probably four weeks by the time he's really having to make a start in the regular season. Um, you hope that he'll be able to build himself up and be fine. Yep, that's kind of where I am as well. I want to at least run, run down those a little bit before we get into the bullpen preview, uh, which we're going to do right now. So, um, first some backdrop, big picture, and then we'll sort of drill down a little bit. Um, Bowman is projecting, this is again, we're using Mark Bowman a lot, but I think he's, he's, he's there and plugged in and all that fun stuff. This is his opening day projected bullpen at this moment. I'm just going to read this to you and see if you disagree. Then we'll drill, we'll, then we'll drill down from there. It's Royce Viscaino, AJ Minter, Darren O'Day, Dan Winkler, Johnny Venters, Chad Sabaka, Sam Freeman, every, everybody's favorite Sam Freeman, and Jesse Biddle. Uh, no surprises for me, just out of the gate. I think that's probably the group that I would that would that I would have projected if you told me to pick. What is it, eight guys? That that probably be the eight that I would guessed that I would have guessed that the combination of Snicker and Thoughtless would have gone with. But anything that you would change or anything that strike you as odd with those eight? I don't think so. Um, if if you had to ask me today, I think that's probably the same eight I would I would pick. There's there's a couple of questions there. Uh, you know, you mentioned Dan Winkler has been on the shelf a little bit, battling some elbow discomfort. Um, and he's, of course, a guy who's had some injuries in the past. That's a little bit of a, of a concern. Um, and Chad Sabatka has had a couple of rough 
uh, a couple of rough outings in a row. I think he's given up runs oh. in three straight appearances. Um, I uh, the one the one game that I actually watched start to finish this week was the one that I had the recap on um, for talking chop earlier this week, and that was the game that Sabaka just completely melted down, gave up the home run yeah. to Aaron Judge, and was just a disaster. And I was like, oh, this is going to be rough. And some of the overreaction was funny because. There were people like, well, there, there goes a closer option. And I'm thinking, wait, was he a closer option? I saw that a couple times. I was like, wait, people were tweeting that at the Talking Chop account. And I was thinking, if you thought he was a closing option, we have a different issue because he's not a closing option. That's not ever been a thing. But he didn't look good. Let's, that's just, let's just say that. Yeah. <laughs> he's not, yeah. He's and, good. you know, and again, you're, you're not going to kick a guy off the team because he, he had a bad inning against Aaron Judge in the early March. But um, just for because he has such a little experience at the major league level, uh, of course, he came on like gangbanger in in, uh, in September and and just you know never looked back. Um, it does help to have a few options. I mean, Shane Carl was really good for a couple months last year, but wasn't great. Besides that, um, you know, Luke Jackson is not anyone's preference to be in the seventh or eighth inning of a close game, but I guess you can do worse if they're their eighth if they're the eighth guy out of the bullpen. Um, you know, and you, you have to just hope again that Vizcaino and Minter are healthy. Minter's another guy who's had some shoulder discomfort, though it sounds like that came from a, a car ra- uh, crash he was involved in. So that uh, was bizarre. Let's, let's talk about that for a second. Um, Minter is obviously one of the best relievers on the team. Um, first, first, this breaks as a shoulder injury, and everyone panics because shoulder injuries are terrible. No, no one likes shoulder injuries for pitchers. Um, and then it sort of just casually. Like either later that day or the next day, I was like, "Oh, by the way, he was in a car accident," and that's the reason. I was like, "Wait, what? Like, how is? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a good thing for the Braves, um, all things considered, the way that it the way that it came out. But it was like, why didn't we know this ahead of time? Like, why 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 did we have this whole day of just abject panic that our best left handed reliever, if you're a Braves fan, is uh, banged up with a shoulder injury? And it's like, oh, by the way, he had a car wreck. No problem. Like, yeah, wait, car wreck in Orlando? <laughs> yeah, a little, uh, kind of buried the lead a little bit there on, on that injury. But, hey, what, you know, what can you do? So It was, it was over, hilarious. <laughs> overall, I mean, assuming, you know, the, the, of course, the, the fruit that's still hanging out there is Craig Kimbrell and who knows where he's going to end up. At some point, he has to sign somewhere. Um, but if, you say if that. They don't end up, <laughs> you, you would think maybe he will hold out until the middle of the year and wait for some team to get desperate. Um but yeah, I mean, last year, I'm just looking at the Fangraphs page real quick here, uh, Braves relievers were 17th in all of baseball with a 4.15 ERA, which you know isn't isn't terrible, but isn't as good as you would want it. The, from a FIP basis, they were a, a 3.98, which is a little bit better, more in the top. Uh, I think it's like 13th or so uh, in all of baseball. So again, it's it's not. Great, and I don't think there's any path for this current group of relievers to be great. Um, I was a little surprised that Bowman, and again, this is just his guess three weeks out, but to not have someone like Max Fried, Luis Gahara, some one of the the young kids, even Tukey, uh, in the bullpen to start the year. Uh, maybe they're gonna just kind of see what they have with the other guys because all those kids have options left still. Um, but again, I, I don't think it's gonna be a bad group by any means, but uh, they're certainly. Uh, it, it could be improved, I guess we can say. Yeah, I wasn't that surprised about the lack of the starters maybe masquerading as bullpen guys only because, you know, until there's more injuries or until there is some weirdness, you know, the guys they have projected here, the Bowman has projected here, I think would all be on the team if anyone, like, unless they just blow up. Like if Sabaka just continues to blow up, maybe he won't be there. Or if Sam Freeman melts down, maybe he won't be there. But, you know, I think the locks for me, this guy, you know, Mentor, O'Day, 
Venters, Winkler, and I think Biddle, barring just like a complete implosion, are locks. Would you would you agree with that? Like barring injury, like, I think those six so. guys are probably yeah. going to be there. And then you yeah. have Freeman and Sabaka are like the kind of pivot points. And obviously, Snicker loves Sam Freeman, and everyone knows that. So I think he'll have the benefit of the doubt much much more than fans want to give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, so I mean, if you figure eight eight slots. You probably need some weirdness to get a starter in there, whether it be Tuki or whoever. That's true. Just because, you know, that's just kind of the way. I, I guess my thing is that I'd be surprised if they just planned on coming out of the gate with one of those guys in the bullpen. I guess you need a long man, though, because right now there isn't one on this eight. That's the one big, that's the one, I guess, semi-weird thing is that there isn't a long man among, among these eight guys. Like, there are guys who could pitch one or two innings, obviously. You know, Shane Carl, for instance, was sort of a semi-long man at times last year. He's not on the list. Uh, neither, neither was Luke Jackson, but... I mean, who's the guy you go to if you need three innings right now? It, does, it doesn't really exist. No, the, there isn't. And that's kind of what I came back to as well is, is you know, they had talked about kind of keeping that six-man rotation that they employed at times last year to give Sean Newcomb that extra day. You you know, let's say it's Tukey who opens the year uh, in the rotation. You're not going to want Tukey to throw 200 innings in his rookie year. Uh, you know, if it's Kyle Wright, if it's Max Freed, whoever it is, it, it just seems – like it'd be to the Braves' benefit to keep these guys fresh because it's such a long year. So uh, I was a little surprised, but you're right. I mean, if if you you will need a long man, but maybe early on in the year they figure they won't need it with the days off. I don't I don't know. It'll, I'm sure it'll be. And there's also always the chance that that they can go out and sign somebody over the next three weeks and, and add someone. Maybe that that's partly what they're waiting on to see how these guys fare because you know everyone knows there's still not only Kimbrel but a handful of other competent. Uh, you know, decent middle relievers out there. And at this point, they'd have to sign for pretty cheap. Yeah, I agree with that. That's something that they, I've been sort of waiting on them to sign a reliever and they just haven't done it. You know, Bowman did reference that, you know, Dan Winkler has to still prove that he's passed. Uh, this is, I'm quoting Bowman here. needs to prove that he's passed the elbows discomfort that slowed him on, slowed him down earlier in, in camp. And he, de- and by the way, Bowman says, and, and, and actually does not, mention any of the long guys or any of the starters he says that Shane Carl and Luke Jackson are the top candidates if Winkler or Sabaka wasn't ready to go so for whatever reason that seems to be sort of off the table uh, I'm not really sure why but we'll see what happens there but I mean it's just it's kind of fluid bullpens are fluid in general it's something that I it's kind of scary to do this this preview first on one hand it's the least impactful in some ways and the guys are just a little bit less famous there's uh, only one or two big names here um with that said a lot can change i think more so than anywhere else on the team you get a lot more surprises in bullpens in the last two three weeks of spring training whether it be injury related or, or late signings so we're doing this now we'll definitely update it if something weird happens but you know these eight guys it wouldn't be a disaster if you open the season with these eight guys, um, especially yeah. if Mentor and Viscaino are healthy. But at the same time, it's not a strength, in my opinion. I mean, maybe it is for some. Maybe maybe I, maybe you can close your eyes and see a scenario where it is a strength. But for me, it's not an impressive bullpen. No, I think I think in order for it to be a true strength, you would need – well, for one, you need Viscaino and Mentor to be healthy. Um, I think Darren O'Day, obviously, he hasn't thrown his first pitch with the Braves, at least in a regular season game. But he was, I mean, he was as good as it gets in the American League East for a couple of years there with the Orioles. If he's able to get back to his old self, 
Um, you know, and, and then we know what Johnny Venters can do. Je- Jesse Biddle was really good up until the stretch run last year. Same for same for Winkler and guys like Sabatka have have the stuff in order to get big leaguers out. So, I mean, it's not like we're looking at this group going, oh, God, if you know, if we don't have a five run lead by the eighth inning, it's probably just <laughs> not going to happen. Or, sure. you know, or the lead isn't safe. But um, again, yeah, but I was disappointed they didn't add anyone. I, I know for a fact they, they have at least kicked the tires on a couple of veterans who, who have signed lately. But um, obviously they, they just didn't meet the price or, or the, or the, uh, the free agent just didn't feel like there was enough innings to go around in Atlanta because of the depth they have, uh, even if it's not super top end depth. Yeah. Um, and I, I get it to some degree. And also, you know, something that we have to say, I want to talk about him now. Darren O'Day is the, the one guy who is new among this group. He was on the team last year, but when the, when the Braves traded for him, he was, Injured, so it wasn't like he was available. He was around though. He he, he came in the Gosman trade. He makes a lot of money, so he's going to be around regardless. He's only pitched, I believe, once in spring so far. It didn't go super duper well, but it's a one game sample for a guy who's a guy who's 36 years old. So I'm not really worried about Darren O'Day. Um, just for some context here, as I know, Braves fans don't really know a ton about him to say unless they were really really closely following things last year. He's been a good pitcher for, for a long time. You know, he's not the same, you know, if there was like a five-year stretch where he was like, I guess four or five-year stretch where he was actually a pretty dominant, like a sub-2-3 ERA in four straight seasons, I think. Since then, he's cooled off and been like a solid, not spectacular kind of pitcher. But, you know, he's he's 36, he's a, right-hand, he's a right-hander, it's just one of those things where he's not going to blow you away, but he would provide some stability if he's the guy that he was before the injury. Yeah, you're right. I mean, he he was someone who has kind of a funky, has a little bit of a funky uh, delivery, and and again, as I said a little while ago, he's somebody who has been able to get good big leaguers out, especially pitching in in that park and against the teams in that division. So, um, I, he is a little bit under the radar right now, as you said. He's 36. He's he's been around since like the mid thousands. So he this is like his 14th, <laughs> I think. For just quick counting here, is probably his 14th spring training so i can't imagine he's a guy who needs to go out there and get uh <laughs> who needs to get 20 appearances this spring but i would think as with uh, the other veterans uh he'll really start to to play a little bit more come come to games uh that final like week and a half to get you know really get his legs under him uh for the year yeah i mean he it's interesting the last i'm looking at this now Four years ago or so, he became sort of a different pitcher. Like, he's become more of a strikeout guy. Like, earlier in his career, and this kind of goes in line with all of baseball, honestly, but he's now struck out the last four seasons, and granted, he was hurt for part of last year, of course, but the last four years, he has he's struck out about 11 and a half guys per nine innings with less than three walks per nine. So that's a, obviously a pretty impressive stretch of time, despite the fact that his numbers weren't incredible. You know, two, 2.8 ERA is still very solid over that, over that four-year stretch. It's just a question of whether he's the same guy or not. And at the age that he is, you don't know. But he's making more than anybody else in the bullpen. So if unless Darren O'Day falls apart, he's going to be on the team um, at least for a while. So that's just something to keep in mind there because he's probably now that I do the quick math, he's probably making more money himself than all the other relievers combined. I mean, it's possible without this, doing the math. It's up there. He's, he's at nine, I think. Uh, he's at nine mil and Viz is at five. And I believe Venters is at like a million, but everybody else is minimum. Uh, yeah. I mean, if, so. certainly it's, if you took out Vizcaino, it wouldn't even be close. It's, it's, uh, it would yeah. certainly be O'Day over everybody else, but yeah, it'd be close regardless, which kind of says a lot. He isn't going to be the closer. He's definitely going to be a seventh, eighth guy. Um, if he's, 
even if he's the guy that he was before, he's not going to be in the closing mix. You know, I hate the term closer in general. I, but I guess we can go there now real quickly. Do you think there's going to be a closer, a single guy in the ninth inning this year? Or is it going to be Brian Snicker um, embracing the newfangled idea to kind of go by committee and go with Minter and Viz and play matchups? Because it's been kind of back and forth at times the last couple of years. They have these two guys who are clearly their, their two high leverage pitchers. But, you know, how much do we see one of them? If they're both healthy, um, is, it an eighth, is it one guy in the eighth, one guy in the ninth? Or is it like, let's see what's going on and play the matchups? Because that's obviously the math thing that you would do, but it's also not the traditional route that you would go. I would think, and, and I would also hope, and, and I truly do think, though, that it will be more of a committee approach in the ninth inning. Um, and why shouldn't it be? I mean, if, if you're facing... Uh, you know, if you're facing a team with three really good righties coming up, well, it'd be silly to send Minter out there for the, you know, for the eighth inning. If you want to use O'Day, uh, having that kind of submarine approach from the right side, you would think that would really play to his, his benefits. So, um, it, you know, let, let me ask you this. So if you had to put, if you had to, to bet on whether or not a Braves pitcher would have 20 saves next year, would you, would you bet on that or no? Um, 20, yes. I think only because I think they could both get 20. <laughs> this team's going to be good, and but not so good that they're going to blow teams away, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it's a scenario where if you if you told me that one that one of these guys was in the role all season long, would I project them to have 35 or more saves? I think yes. So, you know, maybe not 35. 35 is kind of aggressive, but even then, like, it wouldn't blow me away if, like, if you knew A.J. Minter was healthy all season – and the closer all season for the Atlanta Braves, I think I'd probably project him for like 38 saves. Yeah, yeah. So Just out of sheer opportunity. Yeah, I mean, same thing with, I mean, Viscaino, I I, th- I think more of Mentor than Viscaino. At the same time, Viscaino, when he's good, is very good. So when he, if he has it going, then, you know, it's kind of what it is. So, yeah, I think one of them will fall into 20 saves. You're definitely hoping for some health. From those two, from those two, because I don't, I can't imagine anybody else does get to that number unless there's some really weird goings on. Um, but yeah, twenty so low that I will say one of them gets there. Uh, it might be twenty two and fourteen. It might be twenty two and seventeen. It might be twenty nine and twelve. I don't know. But I mean, think about the matchups. Matchup wise, you know, probably you're going to see Biscayno get more opportunities. If they just play the platoon split kind of stuff, it'd be Biscayno getting more, you would imagine. And you'd see more of Minter in the eighth, etc. But I don't know. Yeah, 20, I'd say yes. If you, had, if you said 25, I'd probably say no. So it's I like, think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, it's in that and range I think somewhere. Darren O'Day, I mean, again, he's never been a, you know, the most saves he's ever had in, his, in a major league season is six. So I don't think he's necessarily going to be thrown into that role. But I mean, you look at his numbers, and of course, he was on a historically awful team last year in Baltimore. Um, but he did have, you know, they called upon him for two saves in, the, in his first 20 appearances. And, you know, just to give you an idea of the numbers on O'Day, um, in 20 innings, he had 27 strikeouts to just five walks, uh, an ERA of 3.6, a FIP of 3.46. So, uh, you know, a guy who, and again, facing teams like the Yankees and the Red Sox last year with those insane uh, those insane lineups and pitching in Camden, which is such a hitter-friendly park. Uh, park. I, I, I'm with you. I don't think he's somebody who's going to save 25 or 30, but it, it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, if Viz needs a night off or if he's hurt or, or if that's the case with Minter, it wouldn't surprise me. And I think the Braves would have some comfort throwing him out there in the ninth inning. It's not like they're going to hand it to, 
you know, a rookie who's never done it before in his entire life. And you just kind of worry about the, the moment getting to him. Yeah, there was a stretch last year when I would have certainly told you that it was going to be Winkler because he was just lights out for a few months. Like, you know, there was a legit buzz for him to make the all-star team. <laughs> like, it was not a yeah, weird thing. Yeah, he was fantastic. Yeah. He had like a one ERA for a couple of months. Like he was legitimately awesome. Then he kind of fell apart a little bit um, health wise, et cetera. And there's some question about that as well. But yeah, I mean, the thing is for me, you know, Venters, I think in his role is going to be quite good. Like, you know, Venters, I don't want him, I don't want him facing right-hand pitching if, if he can help it, but against lefties, he is awesome. And by the way, th- this eight man group that Bowman is projecting is four lefties and four righties. And Minter is the only lefty that's not a specialist lefty. I mean, I guess Biddle sort of isn't. Um, it's kind of weird, but he's not someone who you want like high leverage. He definitely needs to be your seventh or eighth guy. Like he's okay, but he's not this great pitcher. Um, Minter is kind of, you know, a dominant end of game reliever. But Venters is a specialist. Obviously, Freeman's a specialist. So you have some matchup stuff to play with here. And you know, the manager is something that we're going to leave off for now in terms of just deployment. But I don't know. This bullpen could make you comfortable or it can make you terrified. And we saw last year it was terrifying for a while. I think it's overblown a little bit. But if you're asking me if this is going to be a good bullpen this year, they better be healthy because if they're not healthy, especially at the end, if if, if, if O'Day, Mincer, and Vizcaino are not solid and healthy, it might be an adventure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you go back to not being healthy and that's obviously the the key here but just for a minute we don't want to turn this into the Craig Kimbrell podcast but if they would add Craig think about how you know everyone kind of slots down a spot right and all of a sudden instead of trying to figure out who's going to close games uh you're figuring out who's gonna you know how you're gonna just get to the sixth or seventh inning and then you can throw Minter and and Viz and O'Day and Venters as a specialist and Biddle and, and all those types um, again, I, I don't, I have no idea who, where Craig is going to end up with, but it's pretty obvious how much better he would make this bullpen. I think it would make <laughs> you and I feel yes. a lot more certain about, about the later innings, um, especially with a, a young pitching staff for the most part that might not always go super deep into games. You know, they're going to get called on a lot. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a shame. I, maybe, maybe the price will eventually come down or, and who knows what Kimbrell's still looking for at this point in the winter, but, uh, or spring, it's not even winter anymore. Um, but it would it would have everybody breathe a little bit easier if, if they are able to add him. Yeah, it kind of goes without saying almost, but yeah, I totally agree. It's uh, He would change a lot of things because if you're penciling that guy in the ninth, suddenly your seventh, eighth inning guys look a lot better. <laughs> it's just one of those, it's just one of those oh, things absolutely. where... Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, magically, if Hinter's coming in the seventh inning of games for the Braves, yeah. I mean, you can do a whole lot worse. Right. So, and I do think that, I'm glad you brought this up earlier, but... I think the Braves do have a number of X Factor type hybrid guys. Like, you know, if Tukey's not in the rotation to start the season, if he's in the bullpen, he's someone who could be just devastating in the bullpen, um, for instance. And with the way that Kyle Wright looked this week, he got a lot of buzz as a starter potential guy. They're going to mix and match a lot, and it's not going to be the firm roles that people people are necessarily used to. I don't think you're going to see five stars with 160 innings or more. It's just not going to happen on this team. They're going to definitely play matchups. You saw Julio Tehran, et cetera, and the starters that kind of free up some innings. But you're going to see at some point this season Freed or Tukey or somebody else in the bullpen for a while. may not be the whole season, but I'd be stunned if you didn't see a starter or two spend some real time there just because mm-hmm. they're trying to win. game. And this is a big year. I mean, for the first time in a long time, 
the Braves have the Braves have expectations to make the playoffs. They 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 think they're going to make the playoffs. They think, they think they're going to repeat as NL East champions. And if you think that going in, you kind of have to pull out all the stops to some degree. Not not crazily, but you can't just be like, nope, we're gonna we're gonna hold that guy back because we're not. It's like no, this it's time to put the pedal down to the floor, and that means using your best guys when they're available. Yeah, you're right. And, and you, know, you talked about guys not throwing everyone throwing 160 innings, and that's just kind of the way of baseball now. I mean, uh, it was I, I saw a crazy stat the other day. Other than Kershaw. A single Dodgers pitcher has not thrown more than 160 innings in the last five years. I mean, they're they are the, like comical in the fact that they have like 10 starters every year. Like, I'm not exaggerating. They just like they have guys who would be number two starters on some teams. They're like their seventh starter. Like, I'm thinking of Kenta Maeda, who like throws like 120 innings. and He's awesome every year. But it's like, nope, they're going to have him be like the seventh guy. It's like, what, yeah. what are we doing? And I think, honestly, and, and while they aren't they aren't as long in the tooth as the Dodgers are, I mean, you think about the Bravest log, log jam of starters right now, and you have, you know, assuming everyone's healthy, of course, you have Fulte, you have Gosman, you have Newcomb, you have Tehran, those guys are locked in. Tukey is pretty clearly, if not major league ready, is, is knocking right at the door. Uh, if Soroka's shoulder can get right, he's ready. Kyle Wright, at least in my opinion, is is the best uh, pitching prospect on the team right now. He should. He's major league ready. Um, you have Luis Gohara if he can get right. You have Max Freed. You have Bryce Wilson who was impressive last year. So I guess what my what I'm trying to get at is is if you have you know if you have ten guys who make starts this year for the Braves, it shouldn't necessarily be because they don't have any better options. It's just because they're going to spread out their innings and they don't want anyone throwing 180, 200 innings. Uh, especially as you said, if if they have playoff aspirations, you want guys to be fresh in in October instead of on their, uh, you know, running on empty. Yeah, and that you know, it all kind of feeds into itself. The, you know, bu- doing a bullpen preview, we're focusing on the guys who are going to be in the bullpen, but you know, could be very different throughout the season. So we will uh, keep an eye on all of that, obviously. And if things change even between now and opening day, we'll come back to the bullpen. I have no problem going back to it, but I wanted to sort of kick off our preview ish series with the bullpen. And that's probably a good, a probably good, good thing to end it on, I suppose. Unless you have something else that you want to say, because we could go deep dives on Jesse Biddle and Sam Freeman, but I think people know what they are for the most part. I mean, the guys who are the guys who we who are know are good. Let's just when they're healthy, these guys are good. Vizcaino, Minter, O'Day, and I think Venters is good in his role. Those four guys we know are good, and we've seen Winkler be good as well for a while. He got banged up a little bit last year, but those those four or five guys we know are good. Everybody else is a little bit less exciting. Biddle, I do like Biddle. I should say, I feel like I've cracked on Biddle. I do kind of like Jesse Biddle, but just in like a way where I want him to be the seventh guy in the bullpen. Yeah, I think that's fair. In kind of a hybrid role. He's, yeah. he's I mean, he's never going to be fine. a long. Yeah, you probably don't want him as your long man because he's just not really built for that. But um, yeah, no, he. I mean, he was good last year. Again, it's, it's kind of easy to forget just that there were some really impressive first half performances. But of course, when guys are so so bad in the second half they don't even make the playoff roster like like Biddle um that you know you, it's easy to kind of forget just how good they were at times during the first three or four months of the year yep that, that definitely goes for Winkler as well who was uh not so good yeah. late but it was awesome early on um all right Scott we've done enough I think we're 45 minutes in or so anything you want to uh plug and get out there or any thoughts that you have to sign off with because I know we haven't talked hmm. well you and I have talked but not on this not in this forum in a couple of weeks so Please share anything you'd like to, including about Arizona, Arizona basketball. Oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> go down that rabbit hole with the FBI. Uh, no, I mean, nothing, nothing too much. I mean, you know, we've touched on all the, you know, all the, all the uh, you know, three weeks to, to opening day is, is certainly exciting. I think it's, 
it's interesting and, and it's almost to me it's a shame that the offseason went the way it did because it really did kind of dampen the excitement and hope this spring uh you're you know you're talking about a team that won 90 games last year and, and won the division surprisingly and last year was was such a fun year i mean doing these podcasts every week we had fun stuff to talk about uh, compared to especially compared to the three or four years before that which is how miserable some of those rebuilding years were and and again, I you know I, I I know me personally, I'm getting excited for games, um, even if even if this spring has been a little uh, little turbulent with all the injuries. Uh, thankfully, it's nothing major, you know, knock on wood, um, but exciting nonetheless. And and it should be a really uh, good competitive division, good competitive National League East or uh, National League as a whole, I should say. Uh, basically, every team other than the Marlins and uh it basically the marlins and i guess the giants and diamondbacks maybe though they didn't fully gut themselves um everybody else is trying to win this year which is pretty crazy compared to the american league where you have like five or six teams really competing and everybody else is kind of in the dumps so it's going to be competitive just about every night you're going to be seeing if not a good team a, a you know a decent one a team that's going to push to be 500 and should make for a, a fun uh, a fun season Certainly, and we will have plenty more between now and opening day, including something's going to happen. I don't know what's going to be, whether they sign another veteran arm or do something, or just do nothing. Regardless, we're, we're going to be weighing in between now and opening day. Uh, as a programming note, at some point, we're going to get back to the normal Sunday schedule. I know I've been sort of all over the place the last few weeks as a result of just weirdness with spring training, all that fun stuff. But uh, rest assured, the normal recording schedule on this podcast, once the season starts, will be Sunday nights in our normal typical spot. It's kind of the easiest one for me in general. So that's where we'll be. For the most part, every once in a while, we'll have to be creative to get around that. But that'll be where you will find us. Please subscribe. If you have missed this in the last couple of weeks, we are now on Megaphone as our uh, hosting platform, which shouldn't really affect anybody other than the fact that um, if you have subscribed to the podcast, it would be very easy for you to get the show in your feed, wherever that is, whether it be Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify, wherever you like to listen to podcasts, we should still be there. If you like to listen to the podcast on talkingshop.com you can still do that every single post um, every single podcast I should say will have a separate post on talkingshop.com so if you like to listen to it there by all means go ahead and do that but uh, please subscribe leave five star feedback please follow Scott follow the follow the pod um, at our normal Talking Chop Twitter page no separate one for the podcast but please follow us there and we'll be back again next week <laughs> <laughs>